If I could tell you just one thing, presented by me, Mel Noakes. And me, Max Fellows. If I could tell you just one thing is a brand new event industry podcast brought to you by Elevate. It's where industry leaders write a letter to their younger self and consider what wise advice they would give themselves now if they only could. Our discussion is based all around this letter. Be prepared for refreshingly honest, sincere conversations and some wise words of wisdom. This podcast is powered by Wanda, an independent specialist creative events agency who are reimagining what's possible across the business experiences. We hugely appreciate their support in bringing this series of podcasts to life. Our next guest is the wonderful Charlotte Mayer, founder and managing director of The Fitting Room, an award-winning agency she founded seven years ago with just £17.22 in her bank account. She believes culture comes first and it's the heart of everything she does. She runs her agency driven by a deep understanding of subcultures that go on to shape popular culture and influence behaviour. She's just got back from New York where she's been working with Idris Elba no less to promote his new Netflix film Luther, The Fallen Sun. This is an insane conversation. You are not going to want to miss this one. So Charlotte, thank you so much for joining us today. Can you introduce yourselves and tell people a little bit about what you do for those that don't know you? Yes, I'm Charlotte and I'm the founder and managing director of communications and culture agency, The Fitting Room. Amazing. And tell us a little bit about what The Fitting Room does So the fitting room is built on three pillars and they are, we create hype, demand and legacy for brands and businesses. So hype is the reimagined version of what the marketing books told us 20 years ago that is the awareness phase. The demand part is kind of the key part of the funnel that gets a customer acquisition and conversion. And the legacy is the thing that keeps keeps people talking and keeps people recommending you. Amazing. And doing really well right now. Yeah. So thank you so much also for them writing the letter. It's an exposing kind of exercise to an extent and, you know, share some vulnerabilities as well. But it's really good to get an understanding of, of people, who they are and what they're all about. Yours was brilliant. And Mel was just saying as you came in to hear about that kind of not wanting to get into this woman's way for being... Well, just the energy <laughs> off the page. Yeah. And you get that in like... I was quite subdued in that, I thought. Oh, wow. If that's you yeah, subdued, that's quite good. Calm. I was like really thinking about my words and what I was putting out. It was a little bit like therapy, actually. Yeah, we've, it, we've heard that before as well, the that. therapy. I want to ask, because of the hip-hop pieces, to what is your favourite or all-time classic? What's going to kind of get you moving? Biggie Juicy. My team just got <laughs> Not me... Not even a blink. Not, uh, my team just got me Biggie <laughs> trainers customised for my birthday, and they're so sick. And I've written about him a lot and how his, he is... He is the perfect perfect example of our principles of hype demand legacy. You know, Biggie was gone, what, 1995? He still has brand deals. Like, you know, that's insane. They still release trainers under Fila. They still do brand exercises with Kith. Like, he is the perfect example of those three strands and what, what that can do for a brand, be that a person or a business. Yeah, that massive legacy piece. And, and slightly off topic, but I was just saying earlier, is having checked out the website and things, is, is that real opinion piece in a kind of insights driven way and that's what I think is brilliant in terms of that putting your kind of money where your mouth is and this is the thinking of the team this is what we're kind of about and that that passion and, and what you guys are about and yeah that, that was a really good article as well. So that's our DNA like we won't ask clients to do anything we wouldn't do so 
you know, just before lockdown, November 2019, we threw a roller disco for our Christmas party. and We hired out a hall. We had DJ Luck and MC Neat. We had Sweet Female Attitude. We had a gospel choir. Actual my DJ kind of, Luck and Yeah, literally sounds like my kind of party. 150 of our clients, my parents, grandparents, my godparents. Like, it was a madness. But we, you know, when we talked to clients about hiring them throwing parties and like living and breathing it, I was like, well, we need to chuck some money in the ring, don't we? So we, we will never say from start to finish to do anything that I wouldn't personally put my hands in my pocket and do myself. But I love that. That's love that, yeah. like work and family there. There's a real blend of actually, <laughs> yes. this is all of me. This isn't just like my work persona or the work thing. This is, this is all of who I am. Yeah. I always say to my team, I'll say exactly to your face what I would say if you weren't in the room. Like I just, I'm just very uncomplicated in that way. And that's a big part of getting through life in a very positive way where you don't have to worry about what you said because you know you wouldn't have said, anything that you said would have been said with integrity. And that's a huge, in the world of social media and instant gratification, knowing that you're not gonna get gratification because you're probably gonna say something that people at first are like, oh shit, you know, as if she's just said that, is a whole different conversation, especially when you run an agency where you are technically meant to be quite pleasant and like, yeah, of course I can do that. I'm very like that, but I'm also like, no, that's wrong for your brand. Let's let's have this conversation. It runs from start to finish in our DNA as a business. And that real sense of self and composure and, and self-belief really comes through in your letter, actually, from a very young age, this sense of, no, I can do this. And if I can't do it, I'm gonna figure it out. Where does that come from? My parents. Definitely my parents. My mum and dad worked really hard to move us out of the area where they were raised. Not that there was anything wrong with that area, but to make sure that we all got into grammar schools. My mum was like obsessed, obsessed with our education. And I then went and did everything she didn't want me to do. Like dropped out of uni, <laughs> left grammar school to go to a high school to be with my boyfriend at 16. Like everything you can imagine that would work against your parents is what I did. Um, but I always wanted to work, whereas my older brother, he's got a first class degree and honors from UCL in maths. Like, whereas I was like, let me work, let me work. Like I wanted to get out and I was making money from a very young age, throwing parties, you know, selling tickets, cake sales, you name it, it was already happening. And so I think my dad saw that in me quite early on. And instead of sort of pushing it down or exposing me to what the world was gonna be like when I actually stepped into it as grown folk, he told me to keep going. And so I kept going and he, you know, my parents are amazing, but they are a bit tough. and. I think watching what they pushed through, there was no way there's four of us, three three other siblings, there was no way that any of us were gonna settle. Mm -hmm. And actually that's where, when we talk about hype demand legacy, again, all of those things played into my love for America, running around New York, the big life, the, the people that came from the projects, how they've grown into these multi-billionaires was always fascinating to me, not because of the money, but because of the level of resilience and the drive for excellence that that took for them to get to those tables to do what, for Dr. Dre to sell beats to Apple for mm -hmm. however many billions. Yeah. That is a different kind of mindset to get up and do and, and, and to work through. So I've always taken that. And my dad isn't a hip hop man at all. He's a, he's a Motown guy. But I think some of those principles around culture come through so much in our music and the entertainment world that we naturally gravitate to it as a community. How much of it for you do you think is that nature versus nurture in terms of that? Because it comes across again in that, that letter of this real drive, this, this ambition, this entrepreneurial kind of spirit. And I wonder how much is 
do you feel is just I've always had that versus the coaching, if you like, or the kind of nurturing of, of the parents? Yeah, I think I've always had it. I was head girl. I was, you know, managing director of young enterprise in high school. All of those things were in me. I think that it's, I think it's a combination of the two, but I do believe in the fact that you are a product of your environment. I think that that is, is significant. And I probably have cut off more people in my adult life than I did in my teens because the energy just wasn't quite right for me. And I felt like I was always pouring into other people and they were just taking and I was getting home and I was like, fucking hell, I'm exhausted because I just feel like you've just taken all of me and I'm not sh quite sure what I got back. And I think that that is a big part of it. And if you met my team and spoke to our clients, they'd be like, this is a high performing energetic team. Like they do not stop. We're like, that's the win. And I'm I'm that boss that they send me an email and the work just isn't good enough. So I'll just back, no. Like it, it just isn't tolerated. And, and I say to them, there's a 20% excellent tax. So I'm like, if you think that's good, go and do another 20% on it and then it'll be great. And that is the whole mindset of our business. And some people come into TFR and they're like, this is banging. Some people come in and they're like, nah, this isn't for me. Mm. And I'm okay with that because I understand that the principles I'm building my life on don't necessarily match what everybody else wants. Some people want to settle, they want an easier life, but I want it like hip hop yeah. had it. Don't you think it takes a bit of bravery and, and you mentioned there in a kind of nodding away, that's that coming back and, and more so from I think extroverts that you are giving and giving and giving and asking the questions. I think that's always the thing is you kind of realize at the end of a question, you've not asked a single question or what do you know about me in terms of a catch up and stuff. And so, these people that you've said that you've cut off at, at what point, and these are friends or, or peers that you've had for a while, or these are people kind of you, you're doing it and meeting it. And I'm asking, I suppose, from a point where anyone else who is in those circumstances or situations to kind of identify, actually go, you know what, to your point about the kind of pouring from the cut piece of things, how, how do you identify that or acknowledge the time is then to go, you know what, it's about me well, a bit more? I think as young women, we are socially conditioned from birth that we must be liked we are meant to do certain things that make us likable. If you're not likable, you're this, you're that, you're the other. And then that's driven further by pop culture movies, all the rom-coms, you know, the mean girls, all of that energy is driven into us. And I think it's very hard for women in particular to understand their worth and say, actually, that's just unacceptable and that's not what I want around me. I, as a black teenager, was definitely a person trying to fit in with people that weren't really ever gonna be my people long-term. And it's that classic thing when your mum's like, they're not really your friend. And you're like, yes, they are, mum, shut up. Yeah. And, and they were right. <laughs> and next know. week it's yeah, over. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh no, I really need to find some new friends. And I think I proactively went out to find people that matched my values and people that I thought could have genuine fun with. Like I gave up drinking in, before I knew that COVID was gonna hit us in the face, uh, <laughs> December, 2019 and have been sober since. And when you take away the getting wasted on a Monday just because you become a different personality and you take on a different role and you notice that certain invitations stop, that in itself was a shift that only made me even more focused on it because everyone else around me drinks. We represent loads of bars and restaurants, so much booze in our office. And that's a different kind of mindset. And I think you really start, when you remove alcohol, I think you really get to start to know who you are and who the people are around you because there isn't any pretense. There isn't anything to hide or cover up. You're just like, well, this is me, like, deal. But I do think as women, it's a hard thing. And I think as well, like, 
you know, you all of all of the stories of high school and friendships are very romanticized. So if you get to a grown up age and you've got no friends from high school, it's like, well, what was wrong with her? When actually people don't understand that in school you are predominantly shoved together and you're trying to be something that you're probably not if you remove all of these external factors. And for me, I've still got loads of my school friends, but our relationships are different and our expectations of each other are different. And I ended up, because I was so hungry around a lot of men, actually I spent, and, and I think that drove my determination even more because they, were, they weren't apologetic about it, about what they wanted. And so in those circles, that influences your mindset people always laugh when I say that I'm a Pisces because they're like you're more Aries energy <laughs> uh, but I am a Pisces but it's it uh, you know we we represent pop culture but I also understand the negatives of what pop culture does in the way of conditioning people to tell them what they should be versus actually mm. who they are when you lift the lid and mm. it's amazing to see because you have like we said earlier this sort of strength of well I'm not going to conform to the things that you expect and th this sense of having your own mind and your own ideals and and also recognizing some of those things at quite an early age to go that's not right or that's not for me again from your parents yeah yeah they they were tough in they're like the best people I say they were tough they were just very real with us um about it and where we were raised an all-white area we're the only black family we're the only black family in our primary school and everything else so when we got home and the front door closed that was our safe space we could just be and I think that as well, there were lonely times within that and on this journey of entrepreneurship, self-style, whatever you want to call it, when you can be on your own and actually really live in your thoughts, I think that is when so much can change because life is so busy. I step up my front door and I'm like, here we go. But when I go into my front door, I'm like, okay, this is my silence. This is my solitude. I spend quite a lot of time at my parents' house as well, just being, because you can just be. and if you met my siblings as well, we're all, three of us have got our own companies. My younger sister's studying fashion at Central St. Martin's at the moment. She's on a year's internship. So she's working for me at the moment for a year. We are all of that mindset. And she's she's 22, big age gap with us. But she's definitely taken the L's that we've had and she found her fearlessness probably at about 19, which was earlier than me. So again, I do believe you are to a degree a product of your environment. and. Life's short. I just, I yeah. we're here for a minute. I think that not enough people think about it like that when you actually realize what your impact is going to be and how insignificant you kind of are, right? Social media's got us thinking that we're special. There's loads of us, right? So my thing is like, just go for it. And if I don't like something now, what's the worst that can happen? Someone yeah. doesn't like me, okay. <laughs> yeah. And and that gives you, and we were chatting about that, that sense of, I suppose, bravery. Some might think kind of, wow, that confidence and things like that, that it takes away the fear of, of not being liked or that fear of someone saying no, which gives you this edge, really, I suppose. And so you're saying about that in terms of the self-start of this entrepreneur and things like that. And you are successful for sure. And the company is killing it, doing really well. We're at the beginning of our journey. I don't think well, we're successful then, yet. Then, okay, we're well, on, on the beginning then, uh, looking forward to seeing what's coming. On that journey then, there's obviously, oh, must have been some times where it hasn't been all kind of, mm. you know. Lots. What of those times then, in, if, if there are any that have taught you more or what are the kind of the lessons or learnings, I suppose, from them? And, and what were those times like? So it's interesting because our pillars are hype demand legacy, but our internal message that I say to the team is don't believe the hype. So 
you know, I, which is ironic, I, I completely <laughs> appreciate that, but it's, it's the difference between people getting caught up in their own noise and, and the reality of the world that we live in. So for me, I've had so many L's. When I started this agency, I did not have a Scooby what I was doing. I had read a book and then I went to see my bosses and I said, yo, I'm going to start my own agency. And they were like, okay and actually they were very kind and they turned my job into my first retainer so they outsourced my job to me and they gave me space at their office in Shoreditch and they let me keep my company laptop and I think the thing about taking L's is so much emphasis is put on not failing in the UK if you look to the US they celebrate failing they love a comeback story we don't we kind of do the opposite we wait to build someone up and then we crash them down. And then we like them to stay down. So I think that for me, I've made so many mistakes, but in making the mistakes, I've also been focused on training myself to be better. I spent a lot of time crafting my job. And I don't think a lot of people do spend time practicing getting better. You come in and you do the routine and you do what you're told to do and you get through the to-do list. I said to my team yesterday, guys, if I gave you 25 grand to just hire someone, who would it be? And they were like, ooh. And I was like, I just think, fuck it. Let's just do a wild card hire and see what we get. Like, and let them bring a vibe. And to my sensible team, they're like, Charlotte. To my finance, they're like, Charlotte. <laughs> but to me, I'm like, well, what are we gonna lose here in reality? Like, and that's, I think even more so since COVID, taking the L's and not being scared of failure you know, we went into COVID thinking, oh my God, we just had our best year. And I was like, we are so set. Cash flow, everything, we're good. Nobody could control what was about to hit everybody without really any notice. And that just completely reset us. It is very much what's the worst that can happen. Mm -hmm. And we have rules. We say no to 50% of what comes to us just as a general, let's not be thirsty. We haven't done our due diligence if 100% of what gets offered to us, we believe is right for us as a business. And those pulling out, those things come with lots of learnings because most of the time I've got it right, but sometimes I've got it wholly wrong in those decisions. You mentioned in your letter about starting out and, and referencing there kind of with, with a laptop and was it 17 quid in the pocket? 17.22 to be precise. Exactly. How do you start a business on 17 pounds 22? Uh, and what was it? <laughs> Stupidity, being, naivety. I was, I was about to say, but being, being blunt, was yeah. it naivety not knowing the kind of the bigger picture actually, was it the naive going, yeah, well, that could be, but let's have it. To your point, what's the worst that can happen? I think, um, so my advisory board, Graham in particular, calls me. He's like, I love your naivety because you just go and do what you believe to be right. You're not set up by the constructs of what agency world should be and what you should be doing. And that's been really significant for us because some of my fearlessness comes from I don't know what could happen. There's my romanticized dream of how brilliant it could be. And then there's the very real reality that if you let enough people talk you out of a situation, and this is why your environment's important, you won't do it. But the point is so few people are actually doing it. That the lane of actually achieving and of actually winning and living a life where you're like, yeah, I did the damn thing, is so short because so many people are staying within what they were told to do and how they were told to live, and even if you just take 20% out of that mindset and go fuck it and go off and try and do it, you're ahead of the rest of the pack anyway. 
So I don't even think you have to be 100% in. You just have to do a little bit, a little nudge every week and you'll be doing it differently and you'll be failing fast and getting up and going again. But again, as a young black person, what's the worst that can happen? Like, you know, we, our ancestors walked so we could run. Like I would be wrong to be on this earth and not be absolutely going for it. It would be disrespectful to my parents with the sacrifice that they made. And there's no greater driver than that because yeah. the worst already happened to our people as, as a whole. And you know what, it's really interesting because this is where the idea of the podcast came really was that celebration of the things that you learn that make you stronger and not just that you learn maybe, but the, the environment around you and the people around you and coming back stronger. And you get a real sense of that through you. And, and actually this sense of, and I love the agency ethos, like don't forget to live, don't forget to learn. And that sense of, actually it's a learning opportunity. You get up, you dust off, you go again. Has that always been there? Yeah, I think so. I think what we did last year was I started to put pen to paper. So when we launched Don't Forget to Live, it was because Diddy had started on a Friday having fuck it Fridays. And I was like, why do we work Fridays? My mum was like, because it's a business. And I was like, no, mum, that is not a good enough reason. I so have when uh, it, fun time Fridays. So okay. whatever you're doing, you've got to be doing it having fun. So okay, if it's a meeting, like you've got to be doing it in an environment yeah. or doing something you're having fun with doing. Yeah. Well, we, we used to have those moments whenever we hit target, I would just go, right, and I'd just go and spend a load of money. And over the summer, we gave the team four day weeks under Don't Forget to Live. And then we were sat in the office in the second week of September. Gosh, it was a Friday. And I went, should go Ibiza next week? And the team were like, what? And I was like, should go to Ibiza? And they were like, are you joking? And then I just sat there and booked it. And we went to Ibiza for, I think, 22 hours in and that. out and just partied. And they were all gassed because they met Wayne Lineker at Ocean Beach. <laughs> I don't know if that's a mean, not who we are. Not. Definitely not. Um, so they were living their best lives. Um, and then, you know, we do Coachella. So five of them I'm taking to Coachella. We literally live in like three weeks and we do a night partying in LA before we go down to Palm Springs. And then Don't Forget to Learn was the second part that I launched launched in December, just gone. And that meant that they got Friday afternoons off in January. And I pulled together lists of things that they could do in London, free museums, everything else. And then we paid for everyone to do a course. So Cade, who's our junior strategist, he went off and learned how you do acrylic nails. Some people went to DJ school. Some people had skiing lessons. Some people started ballet. Danielle learned to fire breathe. And it was probably better than Don't Forget to Live because they... I always say to them, like, don't grow up, it's a trick. You know, when they're sat there in their 20s in front of me saying, oh, you know, I've just da 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 I'm like, don't do it. Don't believe the hype of when you get to 30, you'll have this, when you have this, da 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 I'm like, no, 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 right now, go and do what you would have done if you hadn't been made to grow up. If that gas bill wasn't hitting your um, email, what would you be doing with your time? And we, it was important to us that it wasn't just about us telling them. I was like, we wrote a budget. There is a budget for those things to make sure that they are doing them. It's not just something that we write on LinkedIn and go, aren't we great? And all that wankiness, it, it's a proper thing. Yeah, which, which happens all too often, doesn't it? And, and a massive part of Elevate and why we we founded this is, is because companies will say, okay, you know, as part of their onboarding or to attract talent is that we've got this big bursary and the social committee and, you know, you can do all the training you like and less than 90%, 95% even actually take that up and, and lo and behold, three years later, they're kind of getting all too busy and things like that. I'm, I'm keen then on the premise of being too busy and you being the, the agency owner, how do you 
learn and how do you live in terms of all taking the time and, and moments to make sure you kind of live those same values? So I just took one of my team to New York and we were out there working a project, but we also were there because it's 50 years of hip hop. So it's hip hop 50 this year and there are loads of exhibitions and everything else. And I was like, let's go and immerse ourselves in again, the product that we sell and the community that we've, you know, our base has been built on. So for me, it's those trips. I spend a lot of time in the US. My friends out there are just a different level and means that we get to do the most insane things. I think one of my team actually, when we won a big contract just before Christmas, they said, what are you gonna do to celebrate? And I said, well, I don't actually need anything. I've got enough stuff. I don't really want any more stuff. If I want to take a holiday, I'll take a holiday, but I don't. For me, it's it's them, actually. The better the clients, the better the work, the more money in the bank, the more we can spend on encouraging them to be great humans. If you met the, I would say we probably had four employees over the, our run that has ended in, in, in a way that I wish had been better. But the bulk of our former employees, I speak to them nearly every day. I get their life updates. I get that everything because they they trust me implicitly and I will help them with anything that I can now. And I think that that for me is my living and learning. And like today, I, I think I achieved absolutely nothing in the office. I literally just hung out with the team. I sat, I wasn't in my office. I came and sat with them. We were just chatting about God even knows and just banter and and everything else. And that for me, in terms of lifting as you climb, passing the baton down is my living and learning, I, I think, of how, how we leave this place better. What I find is so refreshing is as we're talking, and I've got this massive smile on my face because it's it's refreshing all you seem to see and, and hear through podcasts and social media and things is full of, of and the pressure as an entrepreneur or someone that's trying to do something of, of needing to earn it whilst you sleep and passive income and the pressures of it and, you know, five day weeks before, but crushing it and doing it all the time when you've had a, a good day, but it's a good day because you've spent time with the team, not because you've smashed 10 pitches or because you've earned loads and things like that. I think it's so refreshing to hear that from a successful entrepreneur or an even more successful entrepreneur. How do you think that that's going to change? Or have you thought about it as yeah, the business is growing? We're already feeling it where we're adding in additional processes. And I think that's where things like the trips to Coachella, the surprising the team with Ibiza, all of those things are those, those legacy things. They'll always remember, oh my God, at TFR, Charlotte just went, sod it, we're getting on a plane today and we're going here. And I think that I won't play that role in the business. I will never be the processor doing that. And whilst I'm sat hanging out with the team, I'm on WhatsApp creating other deals. It just looks different because we have such strong relationships, because we have such strong foundations with the people that we serve. New business looks very, very, very different for us because all of that stuff on LinkedIn, I'm just like, no, like what a nonsense. And what are we even saying to young people uh, that is the reality of life? If you want anything, you have to work hard for it, but you have to choose your heart. I just, this get rich quick nonsense. I just, I'm gonna become an influencer. I, I mean, how many people are actually yeah. making money and is sustainable for longer than the two years after you come off that reality show. We're doing young people a disservice. And that's why with my team, I am tough in the sense of giving them feedback. I'm like, this is the real world guys. Like, but in equal measure, my God, do they turn up for it? So part of the reason we brought in the head of agency, who's very process driven, 
was because she's less of a dreamer, you know, and, and it allows me to be like, right. You know, when I say, oh, we're gonna get this in and everyone's like, are you mad? And I'm like, hold tight. And my team, when we started winning the big... Oh, oh, oh my drink. Oh, my drink. <laughs> I I'll literally, when we started winning the big FMCG stuff and started getting into the room, invited into the rooms, Danielle, my business lead to me, said to me, you asked us to give you six months. You did it in four and a half. So, but coming through on your word as well, like I would never write stuff on LinkedIn or anywhere on social media that wasn't true. If one of my, and I encourage my team to use LinkedIn. I'm, I'm always on their asses about coming and writing about that day and what they've seen that they liked. And even that you watch this confidence grow in these young people and they're 22 that, you know, LinkedIn's this big scary thing, but we're just, we're just not doing it right. Actually, we're not, we're not yeah. doing it right. And I love this. You get a real sense. And you said something in what you said earlier about passing the baton on. And obviously our version of that is sending the elevator back down and just making sure you, you support those coming through and you get such a sense of that through so much. So who are the people that help pull you through mm. other than your parents? Who are the people that pass the baton to you? So my circle has changed quite a lot in the last few years. I have my best, best, best friends that have been with me since school or through my 20s. But, and this is going to sound so strange, but I just kind of, when I need certain resources based on my mindset, I go and find them. So quite often it isn't a person. It might be something that I've read. It might be something that I've seen, but it's also just... It's just never that bad. I, I think I don't, I I have great friends. I have my advisor board, Graham, uh, the chairman of Frank PR. He's exceptional. He's been really good to me. But there are just lots of older people that just take the time because I always turn up with something for them. Like, you know, there's always, I'm joining an investment firm at the moment um, on their advisory board. And I've knew nothing about investments until about two years ago when we started to work private equity and how it all works. And they wanted me to come on and give them advice on what they should be investing in and what they should do with their next fund and everything else. And I went off and taught myself about it and started making investments so I could sit at that table. And I think that it's that, it's the little conversations. My team will say, you only read two lines of that. How do you know what that whole thing is? I'm like, because you're trained to do it and you read enough two lines and you've got the whole story. And that's just... I just take little bits from little things, but I've learned because of my upbringing, I learned to be alone. And I think that that is a huge thing. And then again, not drinking. There is no foggy head. I'm a bit tired. I have a bad period. I'm a bit of a grump, but generally my mindset and everything stays there. I know where I'm operating. And that's probably the biggest influence over a person. So Charlotte, we were talking just before we came on air a little bit about your sense of the industry and what it takes to be successful. And maybe your experience as a black entrepreneur and, and the things that maybe were going through your head as you started this journey. And I think there's some really powerful lessons in there potentially for our listeners as well. Yeah, for me, one of my main focuses has been drowning out the noise. And actually, I switched off a lot of news, bearing, bearing in mind the job that I do. I funnel, I'm very clear with what I'm listening to and what I'm putting into my space. I think that a lot of it is deliberately framed to keep certain parts of society believing that they can't do more. That's not a race thing. That sits within the class structure of this country. It, it serves certain groups for people to believe that they can be no more. And I think that we right now are living in probably one of the most divisive times in history 
of everything being such levels of extremity instead of people dealing with what's actually in front of them. My team, when we when we need something, I will normally say to them, write to the CEO. And they're like, what? I'm like, write to the CEO on LinkedIn because I guarantee you they'll come back to you. And I have not been wrong one time since. Most people are decent people and we are being conditioned to believe that people are bad, people are this, people are that. And it's just not the reality of the world that we actually live in. Yes, there are bad people. Yes, there'll be the odd idiot. But the majority of people do want to help. And again, when they don't want to help, it's very rarely that someone doesn't want to help. It's normally that they're battling something on their own or they've got their own insecurity or the timing is off. It's never really that they are deliberately trying to stop you from doing something. And I say to a lot of young people that write to me on LinkedIn, I'm like, get off Instagram, get off TikTok. And I use Instagram and TikTok, but they are rationed. I know, I know I'm, I'm intentional with mm. those channels. Mm. And get onto LinkedIn. If you've got a streetwear brand and you're like, oh, how do I take this to market? the buyer of Selfridges or wherever you want is on LinkedIn. Mm. That's where the grown-up conversations are happening. And most people, if you reach out, you tell them that your story, they will welcome you in. We we put out a role that blew up on LinkedIn. And I, I said in my opening statement, like I don't, you don't need experience basically to come and work for us. We've got a selection of roles every year that will be for anybody. And the people that I took through to interviews were the people that wrote to me separately through just applying through the standard routes. Mm. So I'd always say irrespective of where society's told you that you sit in life, everybody remembers this personal touch. Everybody remembers the person that reached out. Everybody remembers the person that understands something about that person deeper than just the job that they do. So I am a hopeless optimist that we can all have the things that we want, but we have to be intentional about it. And nobody should let their religion, their skin color, the way they look, anything, stop them from what they wanna do. Everyone's battling their own quiet demons. Nobody is as big as you think. Even when you look at Stephen Bartlett, there will be things going on behind the scenes that are impacting that person on a day-to-day -day basis. But if you wake up in the mornings and you believe that you can do it and you set the conditions for you to do it. You do your research, you do your homework, you craft and build what you actually want rather than being swept up in the noise of Instagram and TikTok. I do believe that these young people, like some of the businesses being built on phones, what they're achieving already is pretty vast. But the people that are trying to keep you down are the people that you don't wanna be sat at that table anyway, to be honest, but there are brilliant people and LinkedIn has been, such a core platform for TFR growing as a business and for me developing myself and shaping my opinions and everything else. So I would always say to people, start there mm. because I, it's a game changer if you use it intentionally. You mentioned there about the value piece back and having something for them. And you know, running the mentoring program and stuff, a lot of people talk about reverse mentoring and stuff like that. But the difference in having someone that is showing up, is, is, is willing, is eager and things like that and hungry for it as well, it kind of feeds both sides and, and it really starts kind of this momentum continues. We've become very transactional mm. uh, as a mm. society and my team that are on the business side of my team, I will say to them, who have you spoken to this week? And they'll be like, well, they said they wouldn't have budget until then. I'm like, so? Why aren't you talking to them? Where are your little saw this and thought of you? Like, what are you doing to add value to their days? And one of our clients went onto LinkedIn a few weeks ago and she wrote this thing and she was like, Charlotte's probably one of the busiest people with, the, with big clients and she will always pick up the phone. 
And that's just, I'm driving everyone around the bed with voice notes at the moment. But that side of it is such a soft skill that people have forgotten about again yeah. in the instant gratification of social media. We aren't building relationships that's very transactional and people don't take the time anymore because they believe they're so busy yeah. doing things that they don't yeah. really need to be doing, spending money on stuff that they, you know. And busy's cool. Yeah. Or being, or looking busy. But and, also and busy is validating, isn't it? It's like, yeah. I'm busy, I'm valuable. And you're like, actually guys, slowing busy. down is one of the most important yeah. things we can do. And I'll say to the team, like today, I was like, I have achieved nothing today. And then I laughed and I carried on. Like, it's not even a secret. I'm like, you know, just say it. They just know, but they also know I'll bring in the sales. It's just, I just do it in a different way to what, the gurus are telling us that we should be doing. It's fascinating, isn't it? And, and, and that's kind of honest conversation with the team to kind of distance them away from the noise. And so we kind of round these sessions up and, and what we've been talking about quite nicely leads into it with asking what that one piece of advice, that one kind of quote, if you like, that is so good or so bad that we need to pass it on or that you need to pass it on. And we've had from previous guests the importance of time and to really value that and think about that. We've also had the premise of, of leaning into it and, and being the person you kind of want to be and acting that now rather than waiting for it to happen. What would yours be? So I have a few, but I think the one I say most frequently, which has a pop culture edge, of course, is it's not that deep. I think that we overthink things. I think that we stop ourselves from doing things because we think that they're bigger than they are. I think that the fear of the word no and the fear of failure stops us from moving forward when in reality, we're gonna wake up the next day. Like nothing will have really changed. Like it never is that bad. It never is that deep. That person is never thinking as badly of you as you think they are. Mm. It just isn't the reality, but we create our own reality that is very rarely what ends up playing out. Love it. Love it. Brilliant. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank I literally feel like me. I need you in my pocket at all times for life yeah. advice. Oh. I'm going to come back to this <laughs> time well, again, so thank I'm you. I'm A, going to follow you on Insta and B, aim at trying to become friends, but that's something I'll work on. <laughs> uh, that's my longer term goal. But anyway, yeah, thanks so much for uh, so sharing much. and uh, showing up for today. Thank you for having me. I can't tell you how much that conversation resonated. And I mean that sincerely from so many of the influences from social media to the lessons that that she lives by and the integrity and just honesty that that she kind of operates in her day-to-day -day that just means that she's so authentic and it just cuts through the ball basically absolutely i mean she's just got even reading her letter right there's just energy off the page and this sense of self-belief self-awareness but also there's no arrogance in there whatsoever no. this sense of i'm going to try it because who's going to stop me and i'm going to give it a good go and i love how refreshingly honest she is about it's not all gone right. I haven't yeah. got it right. I have made some bad calls, but actually what I try and do is inspire other people to come up and give it a go. And I just think I'm going to go back to that podcast so often for words of wisdom, because I wish I had that kind of, I'm still learning how to have that kind of energy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think so many people will take so much from that. From junior, younger people through to older, more senior, exactly that. It's just unapologetically real and, well, she has made mistakes that just there's no apology for it because that's okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay to do that. It's how you react to it. And her love for hip hop and oh. hip hop culture, absolutely love as well. Well, this is it. Authenticity is the word yeah. you use. And it just, 
And the energy and authenticity and that passion, you know, you see it both in her, but in the agency. And I, I mean, I'm just excited to see her team and the kind of people that are there as well, because gosh, she, I, I'm just bouncing off the walls here. I think anywhere where you work within a 24 hour period, you're off onto a flight to, <laughs> to Ibiza and you're taking the team with you is, is only going to kind of inspire more. And I've told her just before she left is that she can probably expect quite a few CVs <laughs> through the door. <laughs> Yes. in the next uh, few weeks. But also the tenacity and energy and resilience. And she said it herself to start an agency with that. I've read a book. Yeah. Like I've got 17 quid in the bank. Yeah. I've read a book. I've got this. I know what I'm doing. But you, you know, you can see it having just spent an hour with her, that people saw that, that spark in her and believed in her and gave her the opportunity to create that first opportunity of keep your laptop. We're going to outsource this to yeah. you. And I think that's the thing is, you have that spark and that brilliance, but you also need people to see it. And I feel like Charlotte isn't somebody that just sits back and waits for someone no. to see it. Like she brings her A game every time. And she certainly did today. And like she says, what's the worst that can happen? What's the worst that can happen? Elevate operates thanks to the generosity of our partners and supporters. To find out more about them, you can check them out via our website, elevateme.co. Together, we're changing lives, careers, and the events industry for the better. This podcast was powered by Wonder, the independent specialist, creative, business-to-business and business-to-employee events agency. And a huge thanks goes to our producer and fellow team elevator, Pete Kerwood.